0: All Aboard! Pink is for girls, blue is for boys. Girls are beautiful, boys are handsome, girls cry, and boys just deal with it. Teachers and nurses are women, engineers and doctors are men. Women are accommodating and kind, whilst men are self-confident and the boss. Chick flicks, what a girl wants, how to be single, 27 dresses, 51st dates. Or their male equivalent, as Reddit has told me, dick flicks. Rambo First Blood, Braveheart, Black Hawk Down, and The Hangover. You're probably picking up where I'm going with this. Sexism. Yay! This week, Four Corners did an investigation into what they call the Canberra bubble. They discovered an underlying culture of sexism within the Liberal Party. It was alleged that the MPs were participating in inappropriate behaviour of sexism and extramarital affairs. It didn't stop there, though. When a journalist asked Cabinet Minister Anne Ruston a question about the bonk ban, "Don't worry, we'll get to that." Whilst answering, she was interrupted by Prime Minister Scott Morrison. The video went viral all over the world, because as you know, actions speak louder than words. So before I get into it, hello and welcome to the next episode of Papaya Paradigm with P, a podcast where we explore the parallels of pop culture and politics. Today's episode is a solo episode where I plan to delve a little into history, interweave with current politics, reference pop culture and finally land into a field I like to call What You Gonna Do About It? Papaya Paradigm with your host P is my shout to the abyss, my outpouring of conscious thought to anyone who will lend me their ears. For today's podcast, what does the Canberra bubble, Smurfette and Mansplaining all have in common? Keep listening, we'll dive straight into it. you heard of the smurfs did you watch them growing up i didn't well i didn't have a tv but that's a story for another day but anyways the smurf is a belgian comic franchise centered on a fictional colony of small blue human-like creatures who lived in mushroom shaped houses in the forest the smurfs was first created and introduced as a comic characters by the belgian artist Peyo. There are more than 100 Smurf characters and their names are based on adjectives that emphasise their characteristics such as Jokey Smurf who likes to play practical jokes on his fellow Smurfs. Smurfette was the first female Smurf to be introduced to the series. Have you by any chance heard of the Smurfette principle? It was first coined by Katha Pollitt in 1991 for a New York Times article. She said, Contemporary shows are essentially all male like Garfield, or organised on what I like to call the Smurfette Principle, a group of male buddies who are accentuated by a lone female, stereotypically defined. In the worst cartoons are the ones that blend seamlessly into the animated serial commercials. The female is usually a little sister type, a bunny in a pink dress and hair ribbons, who tags along on adventures with bears and badgers. Katha was choosing Christmas gifts for her three-year-old daughter, and she came upon the sexism and lack of representation for children in toys, TV shows, movies, books and cartoons. She continues to say, "'The message is very clear. Boys are the norm, girls the variation. Boys are central, girls peripheral. Boys are individuals and girls are types. Boys define the group, its story and its code of values. Girls only exist in relation to boys.'" Do kids pick up on sexism in children's culture? You bet. Preschoolers are like medieval philosophers. The text, a book, a movie, a TV show, it's more authoritative than the evidence of their own eyes. Sexism in preschool defines cultural norms, both for boys and girls. Little girls learn to split their consciousness, filtering their dreams and ambitions through boy characters, whilst also admiring the clothes of the princess. The more privileged and daring can dream of becoming exceptional women in a man's world. Smurfettes. The others are being taught to accept the more usual fate, which is to be a passenger car drawn through the life of a masculine train engine. Boys who are rarely confronted with stories in which males play only minor roles learn simpler lessons. Girls just don't matter much. I'm not here to attack Disney princess movies or anything like that. What I'm here to do today is to question and understand how much this might influence the life we live in. Sarah Silverman weighed in and said the Smurfs are named for traits like Brainy, Gutsy and Smurfette, whose trait alone is being the girl one. Ellen Page is an example of being Smurfette. In Inception, her character is the only female Dream Team member. Or in the Big Bang Theory, the primary main cast is made up of brainy men plus the Smurfette who lives across the hall, who has dreams of being an actress but at the moment can only get a job as a server. I've shared this story before with anyone who will listen. When asked what my opinions on co-ed single-sex education are, and trust me, this question comes up more than you think. I attended an all-girls school from grades 8 to halfway through grade 10. At the school, girls played both male and female characters in school plays. Girls freely used their voices in class to explain their opinions or point of view. Girls played all the sports. And when heavy lifting of like computers or chairs happened, guess what? We moved them our damn self. Halfway through grade 10, I was moved to a conservative Christian school. Not only did I find a stark difference between how girls interacted with boys, I also found out how discouraged strength in women was. I'm not here to dump on the school. I met some really great people there who I'm still friends with. But in certain situations, these memories still take up rent space in my mind. One example was being told that boys should speak third in debate, which if you don't know debating, it's the ones that sum up the whole debate and they're the real saving grace of the team, if you want to call it that, um, because they command more presence in a debate room, constantly being told that women should submit to their husbands or on other occasions, boys in the classroom saying, you're a feminist, aren't you? With such disgust in their voice. I guarantee you they had no idea what a feminist was. But they had been conditioned to believe it was something bad that attacked their identity. There is a test, it's called the Bechdel test. It is a measure on the representation of women in fiction. In order for a movie to pass a test, it must meet three criteria. One, the movie has at least two women in it. Two, the women have to talk to each other. And three, they have to talk about something other than a man. This test is used as an indicator of the presence and contribution of women in film and other works of fiction and to call attention to gender inequality in fiction. Films that pass the test include Wonder Woman or Despicable Me 3. Films that don't pass the test is Avengers and The Grand Budapest Hotel. In both films, the few women in the films never held a conversation together. What Katha Pollitt highlights is how young it starts. A narrative for a woman's worth in relation to men begins from an early age. When children are young and start consuming media, it begins by defining boys as the main group, the story and the code of values, and girls' existence only in relation to boys. When I told people I was going to make a podcast, some of my male friends said, is it going to be about feminism? No, I quickly assured them. I want to talk about politics, social justice, history, all the good stuff. Here I am on the second episode touching on feminism, sexism and tokenism of women in media. I make no apology for it. If this week has showed us anything in Australian politics, these narratives need to be questioned, reflected on and urgently changed. I think it's only fair to point out that I'm not a fan of the Liberal Party. I'm less of a fan of any party or politician who disrespects women. If you've been following me for a while on The Real Princess Fifi, you know I'm very critical of politics. Why? Because that's how the heck I participate in Australian democracy. I vocalise when I don't agree with their decisions. I sign petitions, I attend protests, I vote for the personal party I feel will do the best for Australia. But this week I'm filled with rage over Australian politics. A lot of things have happened this past week. Refusal to fly the Aboriginal flag during NAIDOC week. The government hiring private law firms spending up to $29 on external legal fees to fight people with disabilities in the Administrative Appeals Tribunal for the NDIS. Or the alleged culture of sexism in the Liberal Party politics, which has forced women to speak out. So basically, if you're Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander, a person with a disability, or a woman, the government really highlighted their concern this week. Not... Four Corners released an episode this week called Inside the Canberra Bubble, detailing sexism and sex scandals involving Attorney General Christian Porter and Cabinet Minister Alan Tudge. What I took away from the episode was a few very clear points. One, there is a lack of female representation in the Liberal Party. Two, there is an imbalance in power relations with women who have had sexual relationships with Liberal politicians. Three... Conservative politicians spout conservative family values and yet at the same time allegedly are participating in extramarital affairs. And four, Prime Minister Scott Morrison's response kind of highlighted the issue even more. The Liberal Party currently has a female representation of 25%, 23 women sitting in a party room amongst 68 men. Liberals have said they would like 50% representation from women by 2025. I kind of see it a bit difficult for them to achieve that. In recent weeks, we've heard about the government's budget being coined a blue budget for a pink recession. Billions of dollars were poured into male-dominated industries despite women being hit hardest by the COVID-19 recession. Possibly... If there had been more women represented in the decision-making spaces in Cabinet, perhaps the budget for Australian women might have looked different. Hence, why female representation in politics could have a really big impact on the future of Australian women. Secondly, Alan Tudge had a consensual affair with media advisor Rachel Miller. There are no apparent ramifications for Alan Tudge, and yet there were for Rachel Miller. It is this aspect of women in politics where there is an issue. There are no ramifications for the men involved. Rachel put in formal complaints of bullying against Tudge and the minister whose office she was moved to after the affair ended. Former Labor Minister Kate Ellis tweeted during the week, Women MPs are commonly subject to completely false rumours about their alleged sexual exploits. This is done to undermine them and damage their career progression. Male MPs who are currently getting their pants off do so with rarely any career consequences. I think there's a word for this. Um, Slut shaming. That's what it is. Thirdly, Malcolm Turnbull said on Four Corners, and I'm just going to read his quotes because he said it perfectly, that those that were opposing same-sex marriage in the name of traditional marriage were at the same time enthusiastic practitioners of traditional adultery. The controversy over same-sex marriage was dripping with hypocrisy and the pools were the deepest at the feet of the sanctimonious, he said. Those are some bold words, Malcolm. I don't think any further explanation is needed. It's hypocrisy at its finest. These politicians stand for conservative family values. They fight to oppose things like gay marriage. And yet at the same time, they're disregarding their own conservative family values and beliefs. Who is the victim in all of this? Well, it sure ain't the politicians who are doing whatever the heck they want to. And lastly, just to sum up this whole sorry affair, we need to talk about the bloody mansplaining. I'm just going to play the clip for you. Miss Ruston, can I ask you, as a woman in the government, uh, your reflections on, on the culture Inside, Has it got better, worse, or no change since the, the bonk ban era? Well, Phil, the only thing that I can... How this ban is referred to, I think, is quite dismissive of the seriousness of the issue, Phil. Um, and I would ask media to stop referring to it in that way. We took it very seriously. And I think constantly referring to it in that way dismisses the seriousness of this issue. It's a very serious issue. Thanks, Anne. And before we address the feedback on the clip, just to give you a little context, former Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull banned sexual relations between ministers and their staff in response to Deputy Prime Minister Barnaby Joyce having a relationship with former staffer Vicky Campion, who ended up getting pregnant. This is now referred to as the Boink ban. Well, let's just say the Twitter universe ate ScoMo for breakfast. Nothing says respectful women like talking over women when a question was directly addressed to her. Former Liberal MP Julia Banks, who quit the party after allegedly experiencing bullying, said, standing by the men, talking over women, making international headlines, so Trump-esque. Fam, this is what political paradigm is all about, is seeing how politics and pop culture can intertwine. We have a movie TV industry that is overflowing children's mind from a young age about content that centres on boys in the middle of the story and women as their sidekick. This starts from a young age and when we look in 2020 at our current political climate in Australia, we have sexism all the way to the friggin' top. When is this going to end? This is why intersectional feminism conversation is important for our girls as it is for our boys. We do not want media warping our views of women so that when we hear or maybe experience sexism, it doesn't get questioned to the nth degree. Your experience as a woman or man, person of colour or whatever sexual orientation background is important. The current paradigms that exist must be questioned. So what are we going to do about it? See it? Name it and talk about it with our sons, daughters, partners, cousins. Let them know how inappropriate it is. I want to now remind you of a famous speech by a personal hero of mine, Julia Gillard, who reacted to sexism from opposition leader Tony Abbott. I say to the leader of the opposition, I will not be lectured about sexism and misogyny by this man. I will not. The Leader of the Opposition says that people who hold sexist views and who are misogynists are not appropriate for high office. Well, I hope the Leader of the Opposition has got a piece of paper and he is writing out his resignation. Because if he wants to know what misogyny looks like in modern Australia, he doesn't need a motion in the House of Representatives. He needs a mirror. That's what he needs. Condemned by the media at the time, Julia Gillard's misogyny speech is now voted the most unforgettable moment in Australian TV. I am in awe every time I watch that video. And I feel like if we can have these conversations together, if we can call it out like Julia Gillard, we can change the landscape of sexism in our culture, in our media, and most importantly, in our politics Let's do it together. And the Australian government, do friggin' better. And that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to Papaya Paradigm with your host, P. Stay tuned for more interesting and engaging content. TTYL.